This is episode 214 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome to episode 214 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Simeon Papa Elias on the show. And sorry if I said that wrong, Simeon, I'm doing my best. Anyway, Simeon is a big time business builder. I've wanted to have him on the show for quite some time because if you're just talking talking about a guy that can just crush multi-million dollar a year businesses, thinks big, and generally always seems to be doing big things and enjoying life. Simeon checks those boxes. So we had a good discussion today on life, business building, and new construction, which is one of the big things that his real estate team, the REC, is known for. Uh, they do a lot of new construction. They also do multifamily uh, commercial and uh, you know everything sort of in between. So I wanted to run through some uh, examples of new construction, what it looks like these days after the changes in the market. Uh, Got to apologize. I made some mistakes while I was doing the numbers in the show. It was right after the weekend and my brain was still a bit mush from our mastermind on Saturday. However, at the end, I did figure out where I made the mistakes and uh, basically what the numbers look like is sort of what they always have been, or at least to my knowledge, and I'm no new construction expert, uh, but roughly a break even. So it's not one of those big cash flow strategies. So one of the things Simeon and I got into is who's the ideal buyer for something like that? Like who typically buys that type of thing? Definitely tune in if you want to learn more about that and just business building in general and what it's like to, uh, to crush like Simeon does. With that said, I want to quickly remind you that we have the GTA West REI meetup happening at the West Ave Cidery in uh, Carlisle, Ontario. It's just outside of Hamilton and that is happening on Thursday, March 16th. Would really love to see you there. Come out, shake hands. Let's chit chat about real estate. Uh, it's super close to my house. So this one's extra convenient for me. Not that that's why we chose it. Uh, we're really excited to host it at this venue uh, and would love to see you there. As always, I want to point you back to the early episodes of this show, as well as REI Hot Seat, if you want to hone in your deal analysis skills. In the early episodes of this show, uh, it was all fundamentals and REI Hot Seat is much the same in the early episodes. And we dig into deal analysis of uh, on-market and off-market deals every single week, and they're really, really current. So if that's something you're interested in, tune into both. I highly recommend that. It's going to help you in your journey. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's jump into episode 214 with Simeon Papaelius. Hello, and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Simeon Papaelius on the show. How'd I do? You did okay. Did okay? You did all right. You, you say it for right. me. Simeon Papaelius. Papaelius. There it is. There it is. There. Okay. There it is. All right. I'm learning. I mean, the first one was better. I just had to pick on it. <laughs> it wasn't so bad to begin with. All right. Simeon, thanks for coming down. I know you uh, use this office space part of the time. And um, I've been thinking about getting you on for a long time. We just never made it happen. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm hoping to bring some good value for your guests. Definitely. So for those who aren't familiar with Simeon, like I know you as like a big business builder. Uh, obviously, you crush it in real estate as an agent, and you manage a team. You and Jazz uh, sort of founded that team, yeah. so to speak. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're the co-founders of REC Canada. We did have a third partner who was uh, both our mentor uh, when we started uh, our careers. Uh, he passed away in 2017, and uh, since then, we've uh, we've taken the team and continue to do what we do mm -hmm. and have grown it now from... You know, when we started, all three of us, we were about nine people because he had some agents. Uh, my, my late partner had some agents from before. We grew to about 20. And uh, since then, uh, we're, we're sitting at almost 60 agents. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, bigger than that now. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's big. It's a big organization now. And, and you have a few different offices. I think you've got like the West Toronto, you got the East Toronto. We and have, uh, this is sort of a satellite of that. Yeah, so this is to accommodate simply some of our big producing agents that need uh, kind of a, a desk to lean on during mm -hmm. the day. They can't necessarily always make it into Mississauga or to Toronto mm -hmm. because a lot of our business expansion has been uh, kind of West GTA, the, those uh, yeah. multifamily assets and the Brantfords, the Paris, the yeah. Woodstock, the Wellands, the Niagara region. So we've had our, our growth yeah. uh, be quite significant out West. 
Okay. But yeah, you guys generally are more uh, Toronto-focused, and then, of course, you're known for new construction, for sure. which we're going to talk about today, obviously, because yeah. you know it's that's, big. that's your so, specialty. It's a different market now. So, I mean, I obviously want to get your take on that. Um, you as an investor, like what, what type of things, like if you're thinking, I'm going to invest, is it real estate that you're after? Um, obviously, you're investing into your businesses. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but yeah. tell me about the real estate investment side. Like, what do you look for? Yeah, so I, I invest exclusively in real estate other than my businesses. Uh, I invest exclusively in real estate. I don't have a crypto portfolio. I don't have a stock portfolio. Uh, I'm, I'm someone who truly um, has to know everything there is to know about something before putting my money into it. I do have a big risk tolerance, but not, not with ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, if I know something well enough, I can become quite aggressive with it. Not because I take somebody's advice, but because I do my due diligence and I believe I do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a commercial broker by trade. Uh, so naturally to me, multifamily assets are very attractive. Commercial assets are very attractive. Uh, in my portfolio right now, I have uh, pre-construction condos, existing condos, uh, a couple smaller multifamily assets. And I'm about to actually embark on a build, uh, once again, up north in Wyerton on a luxury short-term rental. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I just got my permits. So. Yeah, that's a super nice site. I've, I've uh, been by that one. That's great. Yeah, not far from our camp, a little further south. Not not far at all, actually. So yeah. it's, uh, I'm excited to see the campgrounds. Um, Last year, I visited you guys up at the Family Cottages, which mm-hmm, is ten, yeah. 10 minutes away. Yep. Uh, and what a treat that was. Uh, so I'm very excited to be up there. I love the whole vibe up there. It's, it's a nice area. And nice that area. specifically, like that bay, the water just looks so blue, especially when it's when it's sunny out. I uh, yeah, Like just driving by your lot. If it wasn't it. for Canadian yeah. vegetation, you yeah. wouldn't know where you were on the planet yeah. because the water is so turquoise blue. Yeah. It, it's reminiscent of Caribbean. Yeah. It's reminiscent yeah. of Polynesian places. Like it's the, the geography is unique. Yeah, yeah, that whole area, like the grotto and stuff. Like people show pictures, and yeah, like you said, you wouldn't know. You would think that you might be uh, in the Caribbean. So that's that's one of the the selling features there. I'm sure once you get some pictures up of that place when it's and, done, and, and that's just it. So so it, again, what are we investing in? I'm investing mm-hmm. in that because of what we just said. Mm-hmm. If the water is that blue and the grotto and yeah. the this and the that, it's where people want a vacation. It's where people yeah. want to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, I came for a week last year to visit you guys. Uh, and it was one of the best weeks of my life. That's awesome. B- because it's so relaxing because you can have a couple ATVs in the garage and we made a day in yeah. the sand dunes. Like that's unforgettable to me. Oh yeah, it was, that was fun. My, yeah. the, the look the look on my kid's face is going through those sand dunes. I yeah. remember my little guy was screaming at the top of his lungs mm. with excitement for almost what, 20 minutes? And then another hour of like, it's, your, your, your daughter wouldn't say that she uh, she liked it. She was in the ATV with me. <laughs> she loved. She actually loved it. Yeah. Uh, because she's a little tomboy too. Like she yeah. she likes uh, rough and tough adventure, and uh, I, I don't know. I, we just had a great time. It's a great destination. So I'm investing in lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, real estate, yeah. um, above and beyond my regular portfolio. That's utilitarian real estate, bread and butter real estate. Okay, so the bread and butter, and is that where you're talking about your condos or just your small multis? Well, my, my condos, my small multis. These are these yeah. are all buy and hold. I are they all some, GTA? Like, is that the ninety percent? Ninety percent. I have some holdings uh, overseas in Greece uh, okay, that nice. used to be my family's. I haven't put any of my money over there, but um, since since that has how since my parents passed, um, we have some assets in Greece. I have some assets in Alberta. Uh, that I invested in, and okay. unfortunately, those are those have been. The value has been underperforming. Yeah, so I bought at the peak of the energy market in the early two thousands, two thousand seven. Oh, okay. I bought in two thousand seven. Oh, so you got that that. Little, so I got uh, burnt right off the bat. Bust, yeah. So and it has never recovered since. It's never fully made it back. Never. Okay. Never. Was this one of those like purpose built duplexes that you, you got into, it, or it, no? It was a a beautiful big condo in a market that I should not have bought a condo mm-hmm. in to begin with. Again, Edmonton? Uh, Red Deer. Red, Red Deer, Deer okay. I wish I was in Edmonton because yeah. that, that market has it's come a back. few times. Yeah. 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 But uh, the smaller industrial and blue collar markets like Red Deer, they just can never, mm-hmm. 
get back to their original glory. How do you feel about one-offs like that? Is it just like, you know, long-term the value will come back? I mean, generally speaking, that's a bad example, but long-term, even that one, you know, long-term the value is going to be there. Um, do you, is that just like a set it and forget it type of thing? I'm, I'm assuming you have a manager that just yeah, takes so care of things. Yeah, so this a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. The thing, I, again, I'm, I work extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never needed the money from that asset for anything. I make very blessed to make a great income from my businesses. And for me, it's never been vacant. So mm-hmm. as as capital growth has been suffering since I've bought this thing, it has never been vacant. Yeah, I have always cash flowed, always, yeah. since, since I've owned it. So other than... If I sold it, I would lose. Well, but, but you've gained I, in the cash I ha- flow. I have always gained from cash flow. Yeah. Just like my other property. So it's just, it's one of those things. It's a lesson. That con- that yeah. condo is a lesson. And what lesson was that? The lesson in due diligence. Yeah. The lesson in youth. The lesson of getting your hands on some money and can't, like, yeah. I was rash in spending it not on... Mm-hmm. trucks and yeah it, but it, it, getting it invested but getting it invested yeah i've been the same that you just it's burning a hole in your pocket if you have, even if you have access to funds correct yeah it, and that's and that's the yeah. mistake in due diligence why, why couldn't i wait to, to look at a three different markets compare them i never compared yeah. anything yeah i didn't google the builder i didn't do mm-hmm. all the things that we teach people how to do today yeah so, but that's what uh, makes you good lessons. at what you do, right? Le- like, lessons, baby, lessons. <laughs> I can't count how many times I've shared my like, you know, hiccups and bumps in the road and all that stuff. Like it, you know, it, it helps you discern much better. For sure. Yeah, and then you can pass that on. Hopefully, people can. They say you learn from uh, mistakes or mentors. Hopefully, I could be a mentor in that way, and that you know, people can internalize my mistake and not make it. <laughs> uh, I definitely think you already yeah. are very much so a mentor to to a lot of people uh, to investing because I've watched the show many times. I think your content is great, and not to not for the sake of pumping your tires, but uh, there is a huge lack of great content out there. There's a lot of content, lots of it dangerous, lots of it completely mm-hmm. misconstrued, uh, and so when I see great content i do like to kind of point it out and this is a great source for real content thanks appreciate that yeah my pleasure yeah as i understand it you have your podcast now which i just found out about last week (laughs) uh but you're like 50 episodes in or something uh so so there there's there's two the one you found out about last week is we haven't even aired uh an episode yet uh we have a few in the can that we've shot uh it's called investors playbook and it's going to be a consumer facing client facing um, so just podcast. for for people who want to put some money to work and not necessarily in the real estate investor niche. The, the, so it, so the, the different so brokers playbook, which is the one that's existing 50, 50 episodes in, uh, that's an industry podcast uh, okay. for broker to broker to understand how to elevate the game, uh, what Very you should cool. be focused on as a broker. In everything I teach has nothing to do with money it has everything to do with value yeah. and when people understand that creating value in the marketplace is what creates money in your pocket mm-hmm. uh, that's when the game changes and gets elevated yeah and i think you do a nice job of that i know um, obviously selling condos is what puts the uh you know puts food on the table but you're an educator of how to invest in condos and and what to look for, what not to do. Yeah, and um, you know whether people buy with you or not. I, I'm sure you've helped a ton. Uh, and we know how many hundreds of people have not bought with us mm-hmm. uh, because they're in different markets or they're in. Mm-hmm. But the fundamentals of real estate are always the same. And the reason my phone rings a hundred times a day with clients looking for service, it's not because I'm handsome smarter than anyone or anything of that nature. It's a matter of fact, it's a matter that we've never ever prioritized money over integrity. Mm -hmm. And we've never not worked 12 and 14 hours a day. So people, when they call me, they expect me to pick up and I actually do pick up. So when, when we give advice, it's exactly like if you were giving advice to your sister you give advice to your client. Mm-hmm. There is not a single deal that I would put in front of my now going on 15 year practice. So I didn't jeopardize my business a year in and I won't jeopardize yeah. my business at 15 years in for any one deal. Like there's nothing yeah. that can possibly 
make it worth it. Mm-hmm. So if that's your guiding star, is to actually make your clients money and protect them, Yeah, you become extremely popular if people actually yeah. believe you do it without an agenda. And I do. Yeah, that's that's the key, right? Just putting putting the client first. And there's some people that learn that lesson the hard way. They just for some reason or other don't don't get it early on. They think, oh, I got I got to close that. I mean, Jake and I joke that that's commission breath. I'm sure you. Yes. You know, I brought that joke up on the last episode. There, too. There's nothing worse. Yeah, because people can worse. they pick up on it when when like the realtor just wants to get the seal sale done or something. It just yeah, it sucks. Do you want to be treated that way? No, no one does. No one does. So yeah. if we know as a fact that we're in an environment where the consumer has never been more educated, and I'm talking about actual education. Yeah, like got, they've gone to university. The, the yeah. world is a smarter, yeah. more higher functioning place. It just is. And I don't care where you go, more than like, in, just to be honest, Canada is a great educated country, but it's definitely not the most educated country, not by a long shot. No. You go to many European countries where the farmer has a double degree. Interesting. It, it's a very interesting world out there, and people need to understand and respect that. And when I mean by understanding and respecting mm-hmm. is if you're going to provide a service, unless you plan on being excellent at it, mm-hmm. pick something else. Pick something else. Very cool. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. And I think like, and we talked about this too, and, um, you know, pretty much anytime I have a realtor on, we get into a few topics. Uh, you know, one is, yeah, like, there are so few that really focus on serving investors well. Like there are a handful, of course, and I think you were saying that last time I was chatting with you too. Like people who really get it, they know how to break down the numbers. Uh, There's you know, very few. Yeah, what's one of the reasons why I have Jake on every Wednesday? We do REI Hot Seat to just break down a deal, talk about the numbers, like go through how we look at deals, and uh, hopefully people glean something from that. Maybe they buy a, buy a building with Jake, and you know that's I think that's good business. So, so much, so much, so so. Excuse me, that on my broker's playbook platform, uh, which is an entire. It's becoming an ecosystem. So there's content and podcasting yeah. where I share the insight. Then I have an academy component yeah. uh, where I have kind of like courses that people yeah. can enroll in, live courses. So you're, yeah, and you must have, that's an incredible niche, like educating realtors. Because as far as I know, like nobody's doing that. N- nobody's doing that. And uh, and that is somewhere where I'm going to, I'm I'm putting the finishing touches on an investment-focused accreditation program. Okay. So, so this is not for, because there's, there's some major key differences here, and I think it's important for everyone to to understand. A commercial realtor is an investment focused realtor. Any commercial realtor. Yeah. But a commercial, most commercial realtors don't dabble in that rescom space. That this entire real estate investor. Yeah, like the smaller stuff. Yeah. The smaller stuff. Mm -hmm. So you never quite have the savvy or sophisticated commercial broker who's typically yeah. an MBA, yep. if, if you think that path through, typically, yeah. not all, but typically. So you, you're not gonna get the attention of that commercial realtor, so you're mm-hmm. at the hands of a quasi-residential agent. Yeah, and they don't know the analytics, they don't know how to crunch the numbers the same way, like cap rates and stuff. A, I've never yeah. had a single residential agent that could display time value of money, an IRR. Yeah, a single one that could tell me about how to scrub the remaining economic life of a furnace against my capital that I'm going to have in three years projected mm-hmm. out. So people just sell these yeah. assets without any, like they they don't even mean to to, to do a bad job. Yeah. But if you don't know how to do the yeah, job, yeah, you, you wouldn't. And why would you know how? Like if you go through the course at Humber, no, yeah, I mean not pointing shade at them or anything, but they're teaching how to meet all the regulatory standards. I mean, yes, Nothing they have a little. The they Nothing do have a little job. bit about the success. They do have a little. Oh, you you know, don't don't spend your your paycheck. You're gonna you're gonna wait six months to make money. But what about like that stuff? Like really getting into today and dealing with clients today and what their need is today and how you speak to them in a language that makes sense. So so what I'm working on right yeah. now uh, is to be able to pump out an army of agents yeah. that actually can add investment focused real yeah. estate to their verticals. So they are going to create a business out yeah. of this education, and it's going to create a resource to every single consumer, every single investor who is looking to to 
expand their portfolios yeah. with people who are talented, knowledgeable, and can actually service the mandate. Mm. So it, right now, it's mostly the investors teaching the agent and the agent writing an offer. Right. Which I find sad. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's And it's I think ridiculous. a lot of people who listen to this podcast have been there. You're, you're, you're teaching your, your realtor about the cash flow spreadsheet and how yeah. much, you know, As if, right? what's the DCR on this. And, you know, in most, yeah, unless they had come, you got to go under somebody's wing or you go through a program that teaches you how to do and, that and, stuff. And that's just it. So, yeah. so my biggest thing is to be able to protect the consumer from um, ridiculous performance that mm-hmm. I've seen out there. Somebody running the numbers and they, they take... You know the gross revenue minus a couple of expenses. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's my number, yeah. buddy. That's not your number. Yeah. You're not even close to that number. As a matter of fact, if one person doesn't pay, you're going to lose this whole deal. Mm-hmm. So they don't. There has to be an understanding. Yeah. And uh, maybe a tool. Uh, and there's a few nice tools out there that I have found to be able to build proper projections. Yeah. Of of both revenue mm-hmm. and expenses. Yeah. And I, we were talking about stuff last week, which I think might be a little too high level at this moment. I'm not sure how much you're letting out of the bag as to what's coming yet. Um, but maybe we'll save that for a future episode of yeah. what's going to be launching. Uh, but you're working on stuff. And that's why I call you a business builder, because you obviously built REC into something extremely profitable, high-performing. Um, you guys are, are known to known for the new construction, known for working with investors. And, uh, yeah, so, so our business, and, and again, people, a lot of people think that new construction uh, is, is our specialty, uh, and it's one of them, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, like on our numbers, because we do about a half a billion, just over half a billion uh, in real estate sales a year. Wow. Um, new construction is about 30% of it. Okay. Um, the rest, that we have about, at this point, last year was our, our most balanced year yet, yeah. and it's because we kind of grew on that regular residential side meaning our agents were busy helping people with regular yeah. real estate needs. So that your duplex like conversion, that. your whatever. You got it. Yeah, all the you stuff got in it. between. But yeah. our commercial is Yeah, it's growing it's too. It's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's a lot of fun, man. The yeah, very cool. Good. So I have to have to do this especially cuz this is launching this week as well. Um What's going on in the market right now? Things are things are changing. I I I've seen some changes. I was talking to you about this last week. What are you seeing? Because uh, still a lot of people who are you know of the mentality I'm just going to wait. Um, has it has the time of waiting passed, or what do you think? So I mean that's a lot to unpack, but we can definitely take a crack at at doing it. I just uh, did a huge segment with my with my business partner Jazz uh, the other day on on our podcast, kind of speaking to what we're seeing because there is. There has been significant change, and now we're seeing some positive change slowly Mm -hmm. simmering back. Um, And I'll speak to that. Uh, What we're seeing right now, we're, funny enough, exactly the one-year anniversary from the apex of the Canadian real estate market. Yeah. February uh, 2022 was the highest performing Canadian real estate market ever. Yeah. All over the nation, Bar and except nothing. There was not a single town that used to be worth more that wasn't worth more last year. Yeah. Um, and that is, has a very easy explanation. It's called printing money. Right, yeah. Uh, and distributing it to everyone. So everybody was, you know, uh, an expert real estate investor all of a sudden and um, picking up debt, not understanding debt, and all the things that that, that can do uh, actually happened. Yeah. So... I do blame a lot, uh, a lot, a lot of this situation on the Bank of Canada, uh, specifically our the, the the bank's governor Macklin, who goes out on a limb to say to everyone, you know, we're going to keep interest rates low, low for years, to, for, for, for years, well, at <laughs> yeah. least to twenty twenty three, and then in February of twenty two, yeah. people, and I'm not talking about the rash decision makers, but there was people who decided not to sell quite yet or not mm-hmm. to buy quite yet that get caught yeah. in this environment that you need certainty to make certain decisions. You need you, you yeah. need proper data. Sure. And 100%. when the Bank of Canada pulls a fast one on you, it's hard yeah. to trust data now. Oh, you can't trust that. I think the biggest takeaway I had is that 
Oh, I learned not to trust them. But I mean, I already knew that. But I mean, I look at Bank of Canada as <laughs> well. I definitely learned a long that. time ago. I learned that you don't you don't trust any any level of government because mainly you have people. I mean, at, at a very basic level, you have people who are compensated regardless of performance. Uh, you know, you're, it's who you're friends with, how you got into that position. Does Trudeau like you? You know, things like that. Um, I don't I don't see how after the last several years anybody could take him seriously. People denying inflation when I was literally calling it out back in. Let's call it, when did the lockdown start? Basically the first day of the first lockdown, that episode right after that, you can go back. March 16th, 2020. You can hear me talking about in the following two weeks, how this is going to cause an inflation crisis. How did I, little old me, know that? I just wasn't sugarcoating anything. I'm like, hey, it's basics. This is the basics of basics. Yeah. And just like people, I don't even know where to go, but (laughs) I'm going to go back to our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you see now? Like, you know, forget about Canada, Bank of Canada and what they say, their interest rate projections. So, so after eight, eight consecutive anomalous interest rate increases. Yeah. Going from 0.25 to 1 to 0.75 to 0.5 with no reason whatsoever yeah. other than trying to show the world you're doing something. Um, I do believe the heavy lifting has been done. Yeah. So I do believe the Bank of Canada on this policy has achieved the pain that they needed to on yeah. the consumer. The consumer, the Canadian consumer right now is hurt. Yeah, very badly, and they're and now instead of spending on goods, they're they're firing money into interest. So yeah, but, but regardless, that is going to bring inflation down. Exactly, that's what's so, causing that, inflation to not rise as fast. That, that's yeah. right, or to bring it down for that matter. Well, have we we haven't come down yet, but we're not growing as fast as we were, right? We're now at like a five point six or something like that last right. month. Yeah, right. Instead of an eight. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And I actually think it's higher. Both oh, were it higher. Is, yeah. I thought it the, the number at its highest that was disclosed was... Was undershot. Way undershot. Yeah, because they, they include substitution in the can, can say Canadian Consumer Price Index, meaning that if you could switch from steak to chicken, they'll make that substitution and it right. won't factor into the numbers. Right. Yeah. So I was at the grocery store yesterday. Yeah. And every time is like the first time right now. Yeah. And I don't care... It's Once insane. again, I am a very blessed human being that I can afford groceries right now yeah. and not sweat it. Yeah. But it's shocking. Like it is shocking to yeah. leave with three bags and drop back three hundred bucks. Yeah. It's because crazy. one package of three steaks is ninety dollars. Like I don't even like steak anymore. Yeah. Like I just don't consume as much red meat as I used to. Yeah. But there was a time that I loved steak. Yeah. And right now, if I was the guy who loves steak, you ain't eating steak. Yeah, you, you're not eating steak, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I look at it, I'm like, we got to be spending triple on groceries that triple. we were from three years ago. Yep. And I mean, I have a son now, so, so you know, call it two and a half times. <laughs> it's, it, it's incredible. I mean, the, the CPI could not uh, truly account for how much food has gone up. No. It's crazy. It, it, and it does not. Yeah. So the, the thing is... So back to the positivity of it all. Yeah. The positivity of it all is I don't think there's a single transaction out there right now that is a joyous one. What do I mean by that? I don't think there's somebody who woke up today and said, you know what? I'm going to buy a house today. Yeah. Or I'm going to sell a house today. Yeah. I'm just going to create some, you mm-hmm. know, the transactions that are happening right now are the necessary transactions. Yeah. Got to sell, got to buy. And those are back. Yeah. So meaning that when we saw the worst of it, those were not happening. Sellers were like, you know what? I'm just not going to sell right now because I don't yeah. know what's going on. So there. there was a little bit of pent up need to sell, pent up need to buy. So right yeah. now we're seeing the return of a little bit of normalcy. Yeah, We're seeing consumer confidence. At least I believe the worst is behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the next few months, because there might be one more interest rate hike coming up. The U.S. did it already. I don't think we're going to follow suit, but we might. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to speak in circles or yeah. suck and blow. I, I just think we're the heavy lifting is done. People yeah. are hurt. People are paying two and a half times the mortgages they had. Spending has been cut back. And you can only go so far, right? That's right. And spend, well, any further and you're going to, you know. I just never knew. I, throw, I never knew that. the baby with the bathtub as they say. I just I wasn't sure that the government would ever do this. Like I thought, you know, with the way they're talking, oh, we're going to keep interest rates low. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, you can't do that. They're, they're babying people, giving them syrup. And I'm like, oh, so they want to hold everyone's hand. Uh, and then they're like, 
Iron Fist, <laughs> Smash. Uh, just but what, in the weirdest of ways. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like the U.S. did it, but it was like the whole world had the same narrative. So um, I guess they were all just insane. <laughs> but, or, or, or maybe we're missing something. Me, or maybe you know just maybe we're missing something. For a while there, I thought it was me, but then the more I talk to people, you know, private conversations, I'm like, no, it's them. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to know. Well, I mean, the what I saw is I saw inventory numbers coming down inventory on the market coming down in hamilton when i was recently so, so that's looking. the biggest indicator yeah so the numbers came out uh we're, we're sitting in the first week uh of march and the february numbers just came out mm-hmm. and we at the end of january we, we had three months of inventory mm-hmm. at the end of february we have two months of inventory yeah that's a real positive sign so, for values a, it's a big sign yeah so 30 percent uh reduction in inventory yeah in a 30-day period yeah. is why all the realtors out there are saying, well, it's feeling better again because yeah. it has direct impact It's making the things move. Yeah. Well, it, your phone worked again. Yeah. It, it wasn't the phone on silent. Yeah. Somebody's actually calling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's, and you, you summarize that well. Like, people didn't want to do the unnecessary transactions. If they could wait, they did. And then a lot of the people, that time they were able to wait is now up. So, so we're going to see that there's going to be always these competing factors, but that's a real important one to factor in because supply and demand where those two intersect is equilibrium price. So if you have more supply, it's naturally going to bring that equilibrium down. Less supply, we're going to see prices come up. That's just economics fundamentals. Well, what I want to warn for, and maybe let's remember that, that I said this today, and next time we're here, mm-hmm. uh, we, we look back at it, is because now... This month is the worst looking stats on the books because you're going from the absolute high mm-hmm. to the absolute so low. So the year over year uh, price reduction. Lo- looks the worst. Yeah, it looks the so, worst this year. So yeah. next month, it's going to look better. Yeah. But that's not true either. Yeah. So what you don't want to be, as somebody who's listening to this podcast, don't be a sucker for headlines. Mm-hmm. Be a sucker for real data. Like yeah. Me. What I'm telling you to do is, because I could come easily as a realtor and just say to you, like, next month, oh, look, the numbers aren't looking as bad because it already started going down last year at this time. Yeah. So the activity now mm-hmm. looks almost It's all relative. Normal. Yeah, it's, it's all relative. It's relative. Yeah. Just like using February 2022 to February this year. Yeah. It's two different markets. They're yeah. not comparable. You got to put it into context. And, and it's the same thing with the CPI. Like the majority right. of the inflation happened up front. So when we look year over year, you know, as we get into like, say, June, that was where things started getting closer to peaking. Our relative CPI is going to start looking less. The increase right. is going to start looking less. That's right. So take yeah. the data, interpret it properly, take your time with it. Yeah. And of course, seek people who have nothing to gain from the manipulation. The thereof. manipulation. <laughs> they're up. And why <laughs> does that need to be taught? Like in our circles, I feel like people get it, but it's like, it really is like we're taught in school to be like so doe-eyed and just like, <laughs> I trust people, blindly trust. And, and, and that's uh, a big problem. The healthy distrust is I think where a lot of people are, are arriving and that's a great sign. I, I think it's a fantastic sign because yeah. that's a protected society. Yeah. Like, you need to question, at least at the very first layer, like, question it, man. Like, yeah. just say why. Ask why. Yeah. Like, you just ask why, half the bullshit will come off. Yeah. Because most people aren't even prepared for you to ask why. They just think you're going to nod your head. So, at least yeah. start with questioning what's happening and why. So... With all that said, let's let's think about how we. I, look, I like to look at things in terms of opportunities. Like everything's an opportunity. The market, the way it was five months ago, was an opportunity in exactly. some regard. So, what's the opportunity now, as you see it? Real estate's on sale. Real estate's on sale. Real estate's on sale, and it won't be for decade to come. Maybe decades to come. Yeah. Um, what has happened here is even with uh, Bill Twenty Three, which is a big a big victory. Can you explain that or refresh that one? Yeah. What's Bill 23? It's the More Homes Faster Act. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, That's the Ontario bill. Yes. Okay. Uh, And I'm speaking to Ontario, so to all those uh, outside Mm -hmm. uh, listening, uh, maybe you should lobby your your government for something similar uh, if housing is, in fact, as problematic as as it is here. Um, This bill, which passed uh, Mm -hmm. and and is coming into effect, is going to allow any single-family home dwelling in specific geographical areas to as of right be able to do three dwellings on it three dwellings so is that like 
say in London, Ontario, if you have a if you have a lot anywhere, if you have a house anywhere, you can build two so, more so, units in so it. So they created a website, aud.com, or yeah. an app. Uh, it's additional, uh, U, additional ADU, additional ADU, dwelling. Yeah. Unit, what happened? Yeah. Uh, and I'll, we'll get it. We'll get the the resource, uh, but it, it 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 covers the map of where and where what applies to it. Adu.com. Okay. But, but the the basic premise of it all is you can no longer in a city like Toronto, for example, in a borough like Scarborough or Etobicoke, where these are central, amazing neighborhoods mm -hmm. that people need to live in in order to commute yeah. to their work, etc., to have a 1950s, 800 square foot bungalow. That is renting for eight thousand dollars, or is worth one point three million dollars, and it's yeah. a, a, a shit hole. Yeah, it, it doesn't deserve that valuation. Not because the land is not worth it, but because, very simply put, if you were to put add two more doors, have a nice triplex, yeah, you're actually going to have nine thousand dollars in rent a month. Yeah. So as an investor, you're going to win more, but the community is winning with you. Yeah. Because you're creating housing more that's housing. affordable. Yeah. In a place where people want to live, mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to commute two hours to go to the office. Yeah. So quality of life goes up, investment goes up, mm -hmm. and you're you're basically providing a better community. So I guess the the, the challenge with those, it, I guess if it was in Toronto proper, is the development charges per unit will still make it so that people might not be in, into that, or is that going to be exemptive development charges? That is exemptive development. Charges. So none. So there is no committee involved. So you could just go on. You can you can have a Toronto bungalow and you can add two more units to it. Skip the development charges. Whether it's a laneway, garden suite, yeah. uh, or going up, yeah, it's it's by right, yeah, entitled. Wow. And that's going to create. So if you're asking me, where is the opportunity today? Yeah. Open your computer. Yeah. Understand the opportunity that is Bill 23 here in Ontario. Yeah. And and make hundreds of millions. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this is one specific vertical that I might be starting a fund for. Yeah. Meaning people can invest in... Um, like we're already speaking to architects and getting kind of what's the, what's the ideal pr uh, target like t to do something like this for is it the bungalow is 100%. it is it the 50 by 120 lot like so that's what we're figuring yeah. out right now so what we're doing is we're serving how many uh lots because the, the most typical lot is the 40 foot lot mm -hmm. so f 40 by 100 40 by 90 40 yeah. by 110 um and we're seeing based on the 40s um can they be severed into 20s with triplexes on each? Oh, wow. Imagine that play. I mean, Imagine doing a semi-detached would be like two semi-detached triplex, so it's basically a sixplex. You got it. Yeah. So if you can convert, imagine having a single bungalow on a 40 or 50-foot lot. Yeah. So 40-foot plus lot. Yeah, that's severing it. Severing it and putting two uh, triplex semis. Yeah. Now we're talking... You want to talk valuation? You oh, want to yeah, talk it's going to be insane. You want to talk, like, it's going to be insane. So no site plan. They, they, does, does the bill prevent the city of Toronto from requiring a site plan approval no, to do that? Need, you're going to need full SPA. You're going okay. to need full building code and uh, adherence stuff. Well, sometimes you can things. bypass site plan approval, especially for like... You're talking committee. Committee of adjustment will be omitted because it's yeah. by right. Your SPA yeah. still has to be filed for. Sure, but I mean, in in London, for instance, to do a, a duplex conversion, you don't you don't need a site plan approval. Oh, nothing. It's by right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So that would be the idea. That would, would be the idea. Like you still need permit, of course. But you don't need to go through like the site plan where they say, "Well, we don't like the character. We want you to use brick instead of siding." That kind so of thing. So that's what I was referring to as <laughs> committee of adjustments. Yeah. Where you need a minor variance, and then you get yeah, a, yeah. So none of that. That is gone out the yeah. window. And that's the only thing that can actually affect change. Well, that's that's so. Here's the functional nuts and bolts how it would work. Is like all these cities have an existing bylaw that hasn't been updated. Let's say, for argument's sake, because we pretty much know it's true, they haven't updated their bylaw. So is is the Ontario bill providing parameters that just override the bylaw? It absolutely makes them as of right. Yeah, and you can go straight into SPA and permits. So okay, so it doesn't even matter if that doesn't say the. So are, are there some sort of guidelines in terms of setbacks that they say you must have at least this, but it's a provincial level uh, I, guideline. I'm not aware if it's yeah. above and beyond uh, what would be 
kind of the governance on the lot. Oh, on that lot. So, so, so lot, yeah, I think lot coverage, um, yeah. like thirty to forty percent. Yeah. So if those if same. those rules are in in play, they stay in play. I, I would think because so. some zones don't have a lot coverage max. Well, they usually have a lot coverage, but they don't have a gross floor area max. Right. So yeah. all, all the these are all now we're going to mm. nuances of it. They're yeah. important nuances, meaning they yeah. drastically change the valuation of any building. Oh, yeah. If you can go from 50% ground coverage to 100, you have double the building. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's where your due diligence comes in. Mm-hmm. As an investor, when you're looking at this, the yeah. more research you do, the more you understand. Yeah, you know the from. bylaw, know the rules, no, know the you setbacks. Know that yeah. area just got approved mm-hmm. to go to 100% coverage. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where you should yeah. be finding yourself. Because yeah. you're turning lawn into condos, lawn into doors. And of course, you could take a look around and if you see somebody doing it, if you see your neighbor or somebody, you know, on your street doing it, like that's one of the quickest indicators. So, oh, well, they're doing it. I better look into this. I must be able to do it too. There, there's great yeah. opportunity right now. And this, when I say real estate's on sale, uh, going back to that, I truly mean it. Within the next six uh, to 12 months, we're going to see the leveling of prices completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to see consumer confidence because that's what humans do. Humans are resilient. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens, we are we are designed by the universe to forget pain. Yeah. We are designed to move on past to circumstances on. we don't like and and to work within a difficult situation. Regardless, like think about how many people are still relatively thriving, paying fifty four percent income tax. Yes plus sales tax, plus everything, like keeping a tiny pinch, paying massive interest rates, and they're still happy. <laughs> That's me. I'm the problem. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, doing, you're doing all right, Simeon. <laughs> no, but this is what I'm getting at. So, yeah. so you always find a way as a human being, if I yeah. had so much of a problem with paying tax, I would have left a long time ago. Yeah. But I truly believe it's this environment that gives me the opportunity yeah. to, to, to make that kind there's of There's lots of, hey, it's, so it's part of the game. It's all part of you're, the game. You're playing the game here. That's part of the game. That's right. And there's there's ways to win this game. And if yep. you're winning, yeah, I guess you're paying a lot of taxes yep. here. And that's okay, too. Yeah. And that's okay, too. It's good to win. It'd be good not to pay the taxes, too. But hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll go on past that one. Maybe if they weren't so mismanaged after. Well, that's the hard, <laughs> one of the hard parts. You know, if they actually did what they were supposed to with the taxes, yeah. no problem. Here's the money. But yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> it is. That's the problem. So it, let's talk about uh, new construction, some fundamentals. Obviously, um, th- that's a that's a big topic because this stuff's still happening. I know you have some lines in with like all the developers, at least all the Toronto ones. I shouldn't say all, but I would assume close to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're very, very well connected yeah. uh, with builders and developers. Um, again, as a commercial broker, I feed sites to a lot of builders and developers. Uh, and then in turn, uh, we have kind of first access to the retail product after it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's an interesting practice that we've built because it's kind of unique. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the game in new construction is about getting in first. The yeah. biggest money you're ever going to make by uh, investing in futures, because new construction, pre-construction, you're investing in the future housing market. Yeah, exactly. So... But in its nature, mm-hmm. and I hate using the word because it has a negative connotation, uh, it's speculative. Yeah. So the, the the idea of investing in pre-construction is in the principles that you believe, beyond any doubt whatsoever, that the future will be more expensive than today. Yeah. So... The good news and the reason, like our kind of claim to fame on that asset class, is that we've used analysis and tools that have proven to be true. And I will stand again here right now with absolute confidence to tell you that in five years from now, a condominium in downtown Hamilton, in downtown Toronto, is going to cost more than it's costing you today. Not maybe. Yeah, I am willing to put a bet on that. And is that it, the it, typical it, time frame? Is it is it usually like a three or a five year? People are signing. Well, for for me, real estate investing is done in five year minutes, mm-hmm. nothing less. So if people are signing pre construction deals today, it's like a it's like a five year out. Depends on the project, three to five years. Three to five years. But but you have to look at any yeah. investment. Yeah. Because I'm not talking about building homes or flipping yeah. homes. That's not investing. That's a business. Yeah. Anything that's involving timing the market 
and being, you know, yeah. at the mercy of a 12-month construction schedule. Yeah. That's a business. Yeah. Investing is investing. And any investment should be looked at in absolute minimums of three to five years. Okay. That's the minimum Fair. hold. In my opinion. This is all my opinion, of course. Not the rules or anything of that yeah, nature. Yeah, of course. So when I coach my clients into any pre-construction investment, my clients have a very firm understanding of the timeline uh, that the project has to be completed, yeah. of what the exit strategies are, and there are flexible exit strategies with this asset class, the ability to assign the contract if you need to, the ability to close on it, refinance it, take your money out, have yeah. a condo sitting there forever with no money in it. Yeah, uh, There's just so many ways to win. It's uh, it's completely passive. Yeah, It creates, uh, I can turn any school teacher into a real estate investor in 10 years well it's it's pretty it's a pretty simple thing to do it's so simple yeah and not only is it simple it's actually the most passive they do the the, the investor literally writes five checks that are cashed over two or three years that's it and i think you were breaking down some numbers for me on this one like when you calculate the return not all of your investments do up front so if you think about like say you're doing um I don't know what you're thinking you're going to get two or three or four percent per year um, going forward and so you the total value of your contract's going up but you're only you know contributing what fifty thousand or seventy five thousand dollars a year or something like at, that at this point the average is fifteen percent you're gonna have to close with 20 as an, 20, as an yeah. investment like any other real estate yeah but over the next let's call it yeah three years yeah you're gonna part with 10 to 15 percent of your of, of your asset's value yeah. while your asset is appreciating at market appreciation. Yeah. The entire asset. Yeah, the, the entire thing. So so what's like a contract sale price? Give me an example. Like an $800,000 sale price? Well, let's use $600,000. So, okay. so you, you buy a condo for $600,000, you're going to put down 100000 to yeah. 120000 over the next three years. Yeah. 20000 right now, 20000 in six months, 20000 yeah. in a year. What happens? Yeah. So, but then you're going to take that six hundred thousand dollars, and we're going to say, say it's, you know, three percent a year. So the average appreciation in Toronto going on forty years is seven percent. Yeah, that's the GTA. The GTA yeah. for the last forty years, seven percent average. Yeah, we can use. We don't want to use the last five years because that was twenty five percent appreciation. Yeah, that was insane. But let's take the seven and cut it in half. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half percent. Yeah. So 0.035 times 600,000. So you're getting 21,000. And and your deposit in the first year was how much, do we say? About 20,000. So that's, I mean, if you just compare it in the first year, yes. that's, a, that's a pretty hefty return on paper. On, on paper. And, yeah. and, th- and this is why it's very important. Yeah. Because there's also misconceptions on the winning of pre-construction. Yeah. Um, because to actualize the win, yeah. you have to sell. If you sell, you just missing the whole point of the uh, the beauty of the asset class yeah so the beauty of pre-construction is that the biggest win actualizes when you close on it yeah when you close and refinance that property yeah is the day that you can lift the flag victorious yeah and, and so the actual my suggested play you can win and you can be happy with smaller returns with big returns happy with whatever my the simian special in pre-construction is that you're going to buy your let's call it 500,000 just because it's an easy number to work with 500,000 bucks mm-hmm. it's going to be worth $600,000 the day you close on it mm-hmm. not because it has to appreciate we can speak to that but that's what it's done Yeah. so for the last 40 years the market's up 7% there's yeah. been a couple of dips but there's been a couple of really sharp ups as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is at an average of 5%, yeah. average of 4%, 3.5%, use whatever number makes you comfortable. Let's say it's worth 600K. Yeah. Refinancing that to 8%, to 80%, excuse me, you're going to catch 80 grand out of your 100. Yeah. You have nothing left in the unit. You have no risk left in it. Yeah. You have no money in it. And your tenants are going to pay this thing down for the rest of its days. So you're you're suggesting that there is a cash flow play at the end of it, or is it cash flow neutral? It's 100% cash flow positive. 
Okay. So you hear, based on current today today's rents, or based on what you're expecting? So rents? T- today's rates right now has created more cash flow negative than ever. Yeah. Because everybody was on this variable train that they thought was so brilliant. I can't really get that one, but either can I? It was flexible. Variables are flexible, but different conversation. Different conversation. Yeah. But all I'm saying is absolutely condominiums can be cash flow plays like any other property yeah as a matter of fact they're easier to navigate than single family homes because they never have capital big capital expenditures it's mm-hmm. very rare to get a special assessment in a yeah. condominium corporation especially a new one right is it especially new one yeah but it's very rare to begin with because yeah. condocorps have a fund that's managed. Yeah, they just did. Uh, they have a reserve. A reserve fund study to form the condominium on the new building. They would have been factoring in all the life cycle maintenance and all that stuff. So it's very easy to pro forma. It's very yeah. easy to navigate a so, buy and hold condominium. So the expense list, like biggest one is your mortgage. Second biggest one is your condo fee. And then after that, you're Yeah, so I, I never bill. take the mortgage into account because that's varies to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, people always have this mixed conception about the condo fee. Mm-hmm. They're always going up. Yeah. So is everything else. Yeah. Like the condo fees typically fill in for other expenses on a low-rise property. Yeah. That are typically much higher on a low-rise property. Yeah. The difference is that they're not imposed on you. Lawn, lawn maintenance on a residential sure, property. Sure, yeah, that's all going it, up, yeah. It's not, but it's not imposed on you, so you don't calculate that. Yeah. At the condo, it's budgeted for, <laughs> spread across the unit, and mm. formula. Yeah, and obviously they're getting economies of scale. Uh, of course. They, no, but the investor, I can guarantee you, 90% of investors doing a low-rise pro forma, meaning a single-family home, mm-hmm. don't put uh, grass cutting, snow plowing, or they allow... Yeah. Or they allow a number because, oh, because I'm going to do that myself. Yeah. Oh, so you're not worth anything now. Yeah, yeah. So it's that whole, but that's not, it's, that's running the bad numbers, right? Okay. So in today's, like, how would you show it today? Like, what, what could somebody expect if they buy that, say, let's, let's say the $600,000 yeah. condo? Like, what's the, what are they, and first off, I mean, is that a bachelor that you're getting for six hundred? dollars Well, it depends where, first and foremost. So I yeah. was, uh, this weekend, uh, I did a, we initiated, we had 150 people fill in a form, about 20 people initiate a deal in Hamilton. Okay. Uh, and this is Hamilton's biggest development in its history. Okay. This is a project by Emblem, uh, right downtown Hamilton, yeah. three towers, 930 units. Okay. So Hamilton, Ontario has never seen the magnitude of this type of mega project before. So investor asks, who's going to live there? Yeah. Same type of people who live in Toronto. If you go to Hamilton, it's multiple offers for rental. There's people paying three grand for a main floor of a bungalow in Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton is no longer a crackhead infested steel town. Yeah. Because that's the name and reputation it carried. Yeah. Hamilton is a thriving... Does it have problems? Every city has problems. Yeah. Go to downtown Toronto at 11 at night, you'll, you'll ship bricks. There's some areas it, in Toronto that... It's yeah, the same great. crap yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Hamilton is a massive city. It is the hub of the West. Yeah. And it has a bustling restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. An amazing two universities and student population. Healthy student population. Yeah. This is one of the best cities to invest in, and it will continue to be a great city to invest in for the next decade, bare minimum. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is it's the infrastructure and transit, the yeah. revitalization of downtown in the, in the harbor lands. Okay, the yeah. entire West Harbor is gonna be unrecognizable. If you were to just follow the billions of dollars that both government and the private sector are investing in where, yeah. More than likely, you are going to do really well as a real estate investor. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those cities that it's, you know, you're in the Golden Horseshoe. Everybody immigrating seems to want to be down here, and they all need places to live. Like, there's... Well, it's, it's double. It's yeah. two times more affordable than Toronto. Yeah. And it doesn't feel that much different. Yeah. And as I say, water flows to the lowest point. So if it's cheaper, you're going to get people who naturally just want to save the few bucks. That's right. And a lot of them can work from home now, at least some of the time. You're going to have some commute. Some of them may work for companies elsewhere. 
They can get yeah. to Union Station in less than an hour, mm-hmm. if you can imagine. That's what yeah. that kind of transit enables. Yeah, which is also why house values are skyrocketing. Okay, so so say it was a uh, six hundred. Is six hundred thousand reasonable at that project? Can that happen? Um, is there anything you can get for six hundred? Uh, there definitely is. Uh, you're looking there. You're at about eleven hundred bucks a foot. So yeah, yeah. okay. I, that's a, a one plus den right there. Okay, so one plus den. So yeah. let's. What, what what do you think you could rent that for? You're probably looking at in five years out. So today you're probably at about three bucks downtown Hamilton a foot. All right. Uh, actually, no. You're probably at three fifty a foot right now. You're probably going to be looking at four fifty a foot. So call it six hundred square feet. Four fifty times six hundred. So twenty seven hundred. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right for. Yeah. Five years out for sure. Because okay. you're probably at twenty two, twenty three hundred right now. And then something like that is going to be taxes of what twenty five hundred maybe. We we're ballparking, or is that too much? It's a little bit too much. Call too much? two grand. Two grand. Uh, insurance, you're like just content insurance because the condo is going to have uh, insurance, right? Yeah, that's about call it 150 bucks a year. 150 a year. Call it, th- call it 300 bucks a year. 300 a year, okay. And then uh, maintenance, cool? like literally just the paint inside your unit, some flooring inside your unit if it if it wears. No maintenance. You have maintenance fees. You have condo fees. Yeah. 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 So I'm just talking about the actual physical maintenance you'll need to do. Um, uh. Budget for a hundred bucks a month, twelve hundred bucks a year, which is a yeah. lot, but just do it anyways. Yeah. Okay. So we'll call it four um, percent, and then we do need to add in a line here for uh, a condo fee, uh, condo maintenance fee. Uh, they're probably going to be around fifty-five cents. I would say fifty to fifty-five cents a square foot. So zero point five five times square foot or six hundred square feet. We said. Yeah. All right. So about three thirty a month. Um, so okay. All right. And then that's going to include what? Uh, heat and water? Um, heat and water. Or are those going to be separately metered? They're, they're breaking them apart all sorts right now. So internet, etc., comes with packages now mm-hmm. with, uh, land, with landlords. So those are going to be included to the tenant. Power they pay. Heat and water. Sure. Heat and water will be included? included? Yeah. It will be included. Yeah, I figured it would. Like Same with building insurance, of course. Yeah, my wife used to have a condo in downtown Toronto. And Th- there are that condos included. that are it's not included in now, too. Yeah, so, so you, you're still going to have your electric. You're going to have your, you know, 100 bucks. The, ten- the tenant pays the electricity. Tenant, so we'll just leave that as a zero. Yeah. Uh, and then management. Um, what do you what do you recommend for management? Do people hire a company or? Well, you can just put it, budget for it, 6%. 6%, okay. Yeah. All right, uh, so you won't have anything for water or sewer, shouldn't. Landscaping and snow, you don't have anything for that. Tech, do you have to pay something for the tech package? No. No, that's all. Tenant. A tenant, okay. Um, and then nothing for garbage disposal, that's all included. And then you may have a miscellaneous or whatever. But uh, okay, so that we're looking at, we said, what, 600,000? Uh, do 1,100 bucks a square foot, so, so 660. Equals 660 times. All right, so that's like a seven twenty six purchase price. Um, okay, so then people would typically be trying to get an eighty. But six hundred square foot would be a one plus then put uh, put the rent a tiny bit higher, maybe about one hundred and fifty dollars higher. One fifty. A six hundred square foot unit is typically a one plus den, not a one bedroom. Yeah, so instead of four fifty a square foot, we're gonna say uh, put four seventy five. Four seventy five. Okay, what does so that give us? Twenty eight fifty. Perfect. Yeah, twenty eight fifty a month. Because we're probably at twenty five. So yeah. if we looked at Hamilton right now, yeah, one plus den in a modern place is going to be about twenty five hundred. So, so here's where it's the 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 challenges, and I, I know obviously some of these things might be a touch conservative, but yeah, we're coming up with like a mortgage payment at four and a half. If we could get the four and a half, uh, maybe say it's stabilized in a couple of years, it's still going to be a bit negative, right? Where's it at? I've got here negative six eighty. Got it. Is that is that typical? Is that what people are typically seeing? Or no, no. And so what? So, so I would. Well, I have a two percent vacancy here. Obviously, uh, they have no, no vacancy should, right no, now. But, but you, you should, should build you should that. You should have something. your vacancy. Of yeah. course, you should. Yeah. So, I guess the question is: Is rent going to change more before then? Or is it typical to see, I think new construction, a lot of people are used to seeing a little bit or a slight what negative. Are the, what are the amortization terms you're using for your profile? 30 year? 30 That year? could change before between now and then, of course. Yeah. There's obviously some elements to it. Yeah. 
And then insurance, obviously, well, I mean, you don't, that's an optional, but we'll leave it there. Taxes, we'll leave alone. Maintenance, allowance. We've insurance got is annual at, at 300. Yep, yep, yeah, 300. Maintenance, like you said, not likely, but of course, there's stuff, some, some stuff some. can happen, right? Yeah, so it's one of those plays where, I mean, I've, I've always said this, like I don't think pre-construction is something that an active investor gets into. Uh, it's somebody who doesn't really want to get active uh, will do more of, or if they have a piece of, of money sitting that they'd like to put into something like it, that. It's a massive play where you end up with no money in your deal. Yeah. So you didn't yeah. work for it, you took no mortgage off yeah, well, you manage a property. We analyzed the return, right? The real return is is you didn't even have the entire down payment uh, to return against because that was done in stages. So you were earning market appreciation on the contract over the course of, the t- the, of, the course big, of time. The big play there is to do exactly that. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the big win because the five years, three the three to five years that you're anticipating the closing, mm-hmm. the work is being done by staggered payments. Yeah. Like, because we said before, the the payment in the first year, if you're doing 15% total, well, you're 20% total for your mortgage terms. So in the first year, are you, what, 5% of the total purchase price? Typically 5 to 10%. 5 to 10. So say you were 10% of the total. So then you would have been 72,000. But if that uh, that 600, what did we say? It was 726. So if that 726 went up by... 5%, 5%, so, you're halfway there. So there's a, a couple of things, because something was throwing me off, and, and that's what it yeah. was. When we said 600, initially we were talking about $600,000 purchase. What does mm-hmm. it get us? And that's why I had a one bedroom in my mind. Yeah. Um, a $725,000 purchase price in Hamilton yeah. gets us a two bedroom. So that should get us a two bed? Yes. So, and two bedrooms are less per square foot. Oh, okay. So as the studio is the highest per square foot in any building, yeah, because it's the smallest unit, so it gets the highest PSF, price per square foot. Yeah. And the bigger units get the lowest price per square okay. foot. Because there's less of a buyer pool for them. Gotcha. So the rent would be different. Because this was throwing me off because I just I was just working with this project and I was like, is something wrong? What am I about Yeah. So what, so what are we at? We're at, a, we're at a, we were working with 1,100 um, bucks a square foot. You're, you're probably at about uh, 975 to 1,000 a foot in the two bedroom range. Uh, oh, Nine nine seventy five. So, so if we're if we're using a purchase price, just so you don't have to yeah. change anything. Yeah. If you're using seven hundred twenty five thousand dollars purchase price, mm-hmm. you'd be buying probably about seven hundred and fifty square foot. Seven hundred fifty square yeah. foot. Okay. And if you're doing that, you're figuring rents are going to be a bit higher. As they're, well. they're a lot higher. So what are we figuring rents will be? Uh, probably thirty three hundred, thirty two hundred, thirty three hundred, four hundred. Depends. All right. Let's just say thirty three hundred. And I also see another mistake in my spreadsheet here. Uh, I had six sixty times eleven hundred. We wanted six hundred, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this actually makes our numbers look a lot better. Now we're looking at more like a negative uh, 20 bucks a month. There you go. Yeah. So, that, that makes a bit more sense. Uh, the key adjustment there was I had, for some reason, 660. Uh, I have. Uh, no, it's because we were doing it in stages and we're doing it off yeah. the cuff. And, and that I do everything off the cuff. <laughs> I just screwed up today. Sorry, guys. Uh, but anyways, now that makes that makes more sense. Like, again, I think, so who, who do you typically see that type of deal make sense for? Uh, it makes sense to everyone who understands the pros and cons of the deal. Mm-hmm. The pros and cons of the deal, the pros are very simple. You do nothing. Yeah. The only thing you do do and you have to do very well is your homework. Do you yeah. believe in the builder that you're partnering with? Yeah. Because you're actually partnering with a developer. Yeah. So do you believe in their ability to bring the units to the market? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in the location that you're investing in? Yeah. Do you look at the fundamentals of the area you're, you're investing in? Mm-hmm. Who is your audience? Who is your tenant? Yeah. So I like two bedrooms near universities, clearly, because I'm going to be retailing the bedrooms. Yeah. I like student rentals. Yeah. I also like families. So it, it depends. So some of your condos are rented to students. One hundred percent. I just I just took uh, occupancy of my condominium at Tretti across the street from Yorkdale Mall. Yeah. And York University is a skip and a hop away. And you can do you find that that yields better than families? Or a million percent. It does, eh? Well, and they leave, so I'm always. Well, yeah, rent. that's nice. Well, but. With the new buildings, you're, you have the exemption from the uh, Landlord-Tenant Act anyway, right? It's still not easy to enact. You can't go to a family like a big... Yeah. It, they get... They, they obviously, no one, no, one likes, a month more. no one likes that news, No, but obviously. when they leave, like, yeah. it's very easy to do. It's mm-hmm. far more humane. Yeah. 
than having to drop a bomb. Oh yeah, day. yeah. Hey, students are great. Don't yeah. you don't have to sell me on that. I'm yeah. I'm I like the fact that you can rent to either though. I yeah. do like that flex. You definitely can rent to yeah. either and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I would see a lot of professionals getting into this, people who are very busy, uh, they're high income earners anyway, uh, or they do, you know, if they you're do well. For a profile, you yeah. just nailed it on yeah. the head like who's actually doing Lots it. Lots of doctors and lawyers Tons. and and all that stuff Tons. because they know that the return is there because they're they're not coming in with everything all up front. And by the time they actually fully close and fully put down the down payment, they've already experienced gain, which is unique. Normally, you need to buy it to start getting the gain. Correct. <laughs> you got to so, close to start getting the gain. So, so the, and this allows somebody to yeah. not close and still win in real estate. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you could assign you could it. You could assign it. You could assign it and come yeah. out. Even though that they've yeah. been a lot less lucrative now, but the government put its fat little fingers in there too. Yeah. And, and they're taxing that as, inco- as income. Yeah. Uh, not as capital gain. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you can still win without closing, but the the gap in Delta used to be much higher in that game. Yeah. So you want to ideally play to close, and you're you're saying more. It's it's a it's a longer term play in your mind. Um, it's not going to be the cash flow hungry guy that goes out and buys this. It's going to be the people that are sourcing their cash flow elsewhere, whether it's in your portfolio it's or your it's slow burn. Or, or it's your professional job that you're working uh so this isn't perfect for everybody this isn't the thing for everybody but there's some that this is great for and i've see i've often said on this show i don't do do pre-construction that's just me like that's just because in my world i'm a very active investor you're an an active and aggressive investor yeah on top of it this is the exact opposite of what you would do Mm -hmm. for me on the side it's perfect because I don't yeah. have to do that. I don't have any bandwidth to do more. Oh yeah, I like that it's hands off. Yes. Like that's what I'm. I'm looking for more things that I can be aggressive with that can also transform into very hands off. Yes. So that's my my sort of next play. But uh, Simeon, this has been uh, good. We've gone through a lot of different information. If people want to learn more about you, follow you. Where do we send them? Um, uh, typically across Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, you can just Google my name or t- type my name, S. Papa Elias is my handle, Simeon Papa Elias, uh, for anything. Definitely, if you're in the industry, if you're a brother or sister in the in the real estate business, and not just sales, but broker, whatever the case may be, definitely check out brokersplaybook.com. Uh, and to your entire audience, Investor's Playbook is coming. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a source for a tremendous amount of content. Yeah. Um, so lots of collaborations like what we're going to be working on and yeah. lots of good things coming. Yeah, and we'll get into that one next time you're on you and, and go through the details. All right, thanks for doing this, Simeon. My bad, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.